0: Welcome to Maverick Inclusion Dial, where we will discuss all things related to diversity and inclusion on the Minnesota State University Mankato campus, community, and beyond.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Depends where you're listening, this is Ramiro Vinyang and, and now we're starting Maverick Inclusion Dial, your weekly podcast from diversity and inclusion at MSU. It's a pleasure to be here, and as well, we have somebody coming back from last week. Uh, Sarah, will you give us a pleasure?
0: Hi, Romero. always a pleasure uh, to be on Maverick Inclusion Dial. For those of you that that didn't listen last week, I don't remember, I am the director for Latinx Affairs and I'm here to talk about the DREAM Act and DACA today. So just to kind of get us started, uh, we're just gonna kind of touch base on, the, I guess the definitions of the terms of what really is the DREAM Act and DACA. Um, so the, just so you know, the DREAM Act uh, was originally a bill that was introduced into Congress in 2001 uh, to address the needs of undocumented young people, uh, that grew up in the united states um, and came to this country as children so their parents brought them to the united states as children and they grew up here and under the at this time and even now under the law uh, these children or these young adults couldn't gain any legal residence uh, no matter how long they had been living in the u.s you know and they had been spending their whole life here the majority of their life here uh, many of them had graduated from high school um, and so the Dream Act, when it was introduced, was introduced as a permanent solution for those young adults and children to have a path into citizenship, so they could pursue their dreams just like any other uh, American citizen can. Okay, that's that's here in the U.S. And so there has been a lot of different versions of the Dream Act throughout the years. Um, But so far, none of them have passed. So these people, um, since the DREAM Act was first initiated, were known as DREAMers. So that's where you hear the term DREAMers come from, Um, But as of right now, there still is no permanent solution for the DREAMers to gain um, a path to citizenship. And because this had been an issue for a while, then uh, President Obama in 2012 issued an executive order for the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and that's what is known as DACA, okay? And this was just a temporary measure to kind of tackle you know, the needs that were addressed in the DREAM Act. And this allowed, again, uh, people who came to the U.S. as children and met several key guidelines. It wasn't just anyone could apply for this. Uh, If they met those key guidelines, they could remain in the U.S. uh, temporarily and be able to, you know, um, pursue higher education, go into the military service, uh, attain driver's license and so forth, okay? So that's kind of what the DREAM Act and DACA is in a really short and condensed um, version.
1: Yeah, uh, well, thank you so much for explaining about that. Sarah. Like, I would say, for somebody who's not from here, like here in these dreamers, uh, the dreamers or dream act constantly in the news and they're being discussed and used as political tools. Um, I was was curious about like the the process or the details behind. Like, I know there was a big decision uh, this last year about um, their rem- the removal of this uh, executive order. The Supreme Court uh, like decided that it was unlawful to remove that at the current conditions. And I believe, you know, uh, I believe that that was that happened because the expiration expiration date from the DREAMS Act came to be, uh, do you have any details on that, how does that come?
0: Yeah, so this last, uh, well this summer, uh, the current administration put in motion that they wanted, you know, to end mm-hmm. DACA. And the Supreme Court stated that at this time it's unlawful like you mentioned um, and then reinstated DACA to its 2012 original kind of where it was at which technically would have allowed um, new individuals to apply and also for current individuals to be able to renew their DACA application okay because usually with the DACA those who already had DACA had to renew their application every two years to be able to continue to be legally in the united states um, and i think you know i i'm not too sure on all that you know the, the order for daca you know president trump wanted to end it and he wanted congress to present a replacement okay and this was just to begin taking those those protections of daca away and kind of just ending the program, okay? And this technically, if, if the Supreme Court would have passed this, and luckily they uh, agreed it was unlawful, that would have meant that over 800,000 young adults would be um, would be, you know, eligible for deport, uh, deportation and losing access to education and work visas. Um, so luckily, that that was not phased out okay uh, but that can still happen at any point since we do not have a permanent solution for all those individuals to become permanent. US citizens. And the reason why the current administration wanted to do that, um, honestly, I'm not 100% sure. I think it's just part of their kind of like their agenda um, uh, and their stances against um, you know undocumented immigrants. but it seems like that's kind of what their main motive is, you know, it's just one of their stances on undocumented immigrants and immigration in in general.
1: Yeah, and that's sad because we're talking about, like, the life of these young adults and they spend, they spend all their lives here and now they're, they face this danger of, like, um, facing, like, a uh, major life change um, life crisis as well you have everything in you in this country having to go and start all over again not a yeah. lot of people know that
0: yeah um, i mean and a lot of sorry i interrupted you but okay, a, okay. a lot of these you know individuals that are part of daca uh, all these dreamers have lived here their whole life many of them only speak english and a lot of them you know have no recollection of the country you know their their country where they came from so like you said it's going to be you know them having to relearn everything if they if it comes down to them being deported or if DACA ends um which is it's it's going to be you know a big shock yeah. <laughs> to them and something <laughs> that that a lot of people don't understand that a lot of these dreamers are people that have been here for many, many years. They're professionals. They're students. They're part of the military. Um, you know, You know, there's this misconception that people that are that are, have received DACA are just using the system and benefiting from programs that use U.S. tax dollars. And that's not necessarily true at all. Most of these people have to have certain requirements for them to be re- remain eligible for renewal. Um, so it's not just, you know, them, I guess, munching off the system, as some people put it, to put it in that term. You know, and with that, you know, I, I keep bringing up, like, you have to be eligible. You have to meet certain qualifications. So I can kind of go a little bit into what those are. Um, Mm -hmm. And then back in 2012, when DACA was put into place, for you to be able to even apply, you had to meet, you know, these qualifications. You know, you had to arrive in the U.S. before the age of 16 and live continuously in the U.S. since June 15th of 2007, okay? And, you know, and that's just one of them, okay? You couldn't be older than 30 when the Department of Homeland Security Uh, put the policy in place since 2012 and then you had to provide evidence that you had been living in the U.S. at the the times that they asked you for. Uh, You had to provide proof of education, Uh, you had to be able to confirm your identity, and you had to be able to pass background checks, fingerprint other biometric checks that recorded you know your identity. Uh, You also couldn't have like a felony certain amount of uh, let me see if I can find it here a couple of different you know you had to be lawful here so yeah. no felonies uh, you couldn't have like major misdemeanors on there or um, so it wasn't just like anybody that was undocumented code could apply Okay, that's
1: a lot and of requirements.
0: a lot of requirement and then once you 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 attain DACA every two years those individuals have to reapply and go through a process of verification and you know background checks and so forth to make sure that they're still being lawful citizens of the United States and the application is not free. Um, as of right now I believe that the, the application I believe is about $465 wow. so that's what they had to pay every two years And they can't wait till the last you know possible second to apply either you have to be applying uh, usually weeks months uh, before sometimes even a year before your renewal date is up so it's almost like every every year almost they're you know paying $465 to renew this and they're being scrutinized um, with everything that they do while they're here Mm because they can be denied you know they can be denied a renewal so it's not it's not an easy process.
1: No, it definitely does not like that. I feel like working in government doesn't even take that
0: not. that
1: much requirements.
0: And I was wrong. It's four hundred and ninety-five dollars every two years yeah, for that like, It's Like like my rent. <laughs> so. Yeah. So you know, it's and you know, it's expensive. And sometimes some of these individuals might be in college, um, and might not have the resources for that. Or they might be working low low, wa- low wages low paying jobs
2: mm-hmm.
0: that, that might be harder for them to afford or they have to figure out you know maybe I have to buy less groceries this week to be able to afford it or so forth mm-hmm. so it is, it is a lengthy process and most of the time too they have to consult lawyers to make sure the process is done correctly so that's an additional amount of, of, yeah, it's an additional Mm. expense. So it's not an easy process, and, but it gives, you know, the possibility for, for many young adults to pursue their dream here. Yeah. And be legally, you know, educating themselves and so forth.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm quite sure that, like, that, that act like probably like, it groups so many lives from these, these so-called dreamers, Um, and, Do we have any good news after this, like, um, maybe, like, categorization of, like, unlawful by the Supreme Court? Uh, What happened to the Dream Act now?
0: Um, Well, as of right now, it hasn't been canceled. But, like I mentioned earlier, it can. It can be at any point. Uh, If the administration that's in power decides to phase it out, uh, they can do it. Um So at this moment, the best thing you know I, I'm gonna say is for those people that can vote, go vote and vote with that in mind that mm-hmm. there's hundreds of thousands of individuals that really depend on having an administration that's gonna support them. And you know these individuals are not sitting here in the US uh, munching off the system to put it that way. They're here working very hard. Um, a lot of these people don't realize that you know some of these, Dreamers are, you know, they're pursuing bachelor's degree. Um, you know, 91% of them are employed. And so that says a lot about these individuals. They're here and they've grown up with that idea that they're American and they want what every American has the right to here in the U.S. and is to leave, live here peacefully and be able to pursue uh, their dreams and goals. And so with that, you know, 72 percent of them pursuing a bachelor's degree or higher. Okay and a lot of them are you know nurses, doctors, they're working at grocery stores, child care service uh, providers, they're cleaners, business owners, they work at restaurants or first responders. So a lot of these uh, DACA recipients and dreamers are essential workers especially now that we're going through this pandemic of COVID-19 and okay. uh, and I'll give you another stat here for it for it uh, put it in a little bit more perspective. Yeah, go for there it. are there are over 200,000 of these dreamers and DACA recipients are essential workers, okay? Wow. 20, 27,000 of those uh, individuals are health uh, workers, healthcare workers. Mm-hmm. So they're in the front lines helping fight uh, the the pandemic and you know they're out there improving our our neighborhoods our schools, they're individuals that are paying taxes. Um, so they're helping improve our society.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They're, they're not in the background, you know, not helping out. And okay? they're goal getters So the idea, you know, that a lot of people have this misconception that they're the opposite is completely mm-hmm. false, okay?
2: Yeah.
0: And the majority of Americans, uh, the Pew Research Center did a poll that showed that only 20 percent of Americans are opposed to having a bill pass that supports a legal uh, a path to citizenship for undocumented individuals okay so that means 80 percent of Americans that were you know surveyed um during this Pew Research uh, poll pool are agree that undocumented individuals should have a path to legal citizenship mm-hmm. okay And so that really shows that despite what we're hearing in the current climax, especially um, during election year, a majority of individuals do want um, positive change for the United States.
1: Yeah, uh, it's kind of tragic that those, those uh, those social issues become a political issue. And now, especially in election year, I essentially just it's fuel for the for the for the status quo right now, and hopefully, like uh, I would say, that administration comes that supports these individuals that are so fundamental to society, to this society. And I mean, the United States has always been like a country of immigrants. Um, I don't think that looking just as history, how it always progresses as more as this diversity pushes it forward. gonna change that yes because there's new uh there's there's a new discussion in the political like in the political situation yeah
0: and and,
1: sorry go ahead no i said essentially that's what i was trying to say like and i love how um yes learning a little bit more about these issues like clears up so many questions like personally like as you mentioned before like there's always this uh uh, misconceptions about, like, dreamers or, like, these other social issues that are being discussed right now, it's because of, like, um, how much fake information that it's so easy to, like, not only, like, get to, but be uh, exposed to, like, so, yeah, like, a little bit of information can cause so, so many doubts, and, um yeah, um, Something I remember reading about is like, uh, usually these decisions that affect people in a negative way are not born from ill intentions, but just from ignorance. And as long as people get informed, like I feel like people in this country are good and at some point they're gonna like, support what's right to support.
0: Right, I mean, it's it's a issue too of not just getting informed, but getting the right information. Mm.
2: Um,
0: because there's information you know that say you know the correct, you know, that explain everything, what it really is, and then you get the misinformation, or, or you know, what a lot of people call nowadays and what you mentioned as fake news, okay. Mm. Um, and sometimes that misinformation is used to the benefit of whoever's putting it out there, you know. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, getting information is very easy nowadays, especially in the age of technology, um, but you you have to be very careful as to where you're getting your information from uh, because that information can very easily turn into misinformation and lead you into a very dark path of to what really is happening and that could easily change your mind from you being an individual that's supportive of you know the immigration community of the migrant community and the immigrant community and just like the BIPOC community in general which is the Mm -hmm. black indigenous and people of color Um, so, yeah, you have to be very careful where you're getting your information. And uh-huh. like I've mentioned before, you know, sometimes you can reach out to people and ask those questions. People that are, you know, in those fields, that work in those fields, you know, like here at MSU, we have the Multiculture Center and we all host um, cultural events that give you that information. Um, uh-huh. I always welcome questions, you know, I always welcome people to email me or call me with any questions, as long as you have no ill intent. Um, and you really want to know the information, um, I can definitely give you that information and we can talk about it. Conversations open doorways.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. It's all about like opening conversations and like um, reaching out and being able to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. keep like, yeah, <laughs> I love what yeah. you're saying.
0: Yeah, and I was to say, you know, with conversations, too, we have to keep in mind that sometimes um, there's going to be a lot of discomfort. And that's something we really have to learn to be okay with. Because as we're learning, you know, whether you're a person of color or you're a a white individual, um, sometimes we learn information that we weren't aware of that seems very hurtful and very personal. Um, And it's okay to feel that way but you also have to think about, you know, how are we going to deal with this? How can I move forward? And and try not to feel personally attacked, but you have to be comfortable in your discomfort in order for the conversation to move forward and for your learning to move forward as well. So, mm-hmm. yes, conversations do open uh, doorways, you know, like I, I said earlier.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I will say that uh, more of that, more than discomfort just being open-minded like oh it's our perspective is so limited and it's important to like uh in order to catch the real picture it's important to hear from every perspective so yeah it's definitely important to like um uh, reach out and have these conversations uh, saying the work they have to put behind being informed because um uh, it's so easy to get uh, misinformed through like if you're only getting your news from social media or these easier these easier places where you can uh you can uh, like get informed uh, or try uh, other are tempted to get informed uh sometimes you have to like google stuff or like to check out from like reliable so- reliable sources and instead of in election year, where you hear these many issues exploding and you might not know what they're talking about but uh, there's information out there there's people out there like like sarah mentioned and resources as well so yeah i feel like we're debating a little bit from like our main topic here. Uh, is there anything else and that you will say it's important to keep in mind when we discuss about the dream act or daca or
0: yeah so One thing for sure, you know, I would like to say, if you're listening and you're a DACA recipient um, and you have questions, definitely reach out to an immigration lawyer. Um, If you don't know how to contact immigration lawyer and you know you're in Minnesota, um, go ahead and email me. You can find my information on our our Minnesota State Mankato website. Um, Also, you know, the Immigration Law Center uh, in Minneapolis and South Dakota. Um, here in Minnesota and South Dakota, excuse me, um, have really great resources uh, and they also offer free counseling, immigration counseling to individuals that are low income. So you can look them up online as well. And uh, they do have a Facebook page for those that um, are on Facebook. But I also kind of want to talk a little bit about you know some myths and facts about immigration and immigrants um, just to kind of go along with the topic you know of DACA and dreamers um, and you know go some of the information and I think you know we've kind of touched base on uh, some of them already but one of the ones you know I kind of hear very often is that you know immigrants are overrunning our country and most of them are here illegally um which in reality is not really the truth at all. Um, you know, there there's actually, you know, there are a lot of immigrants. Yes, there's a lot of them living here, but uh, the percent of immigrants who are living here is not different compared to the rest of our the history of the United States. When you look at it, in you know, throughout history, the number is not higher or lower than in what it's been throughout the history of this country. Um, you know, I think the population right now of immigrants is about 13.5%. And, you know, between 1900 and 1930, the immigrant population at that time was between 12 and 15%. So, and it seemed, you know, it had similar occurrences in the 1850s and 1800s. So it's kind of stayed almost at that same amount, you know, between like 12 and 15%. So no, the United States is not being run, overrun by immigrants as some people think. And, you know, these migrants and immigrants, you know, they're they're part of the U.S. society uh, and they're hoping to build uh, a thriving and diverse country. And, you know, like I have heard growing up here in the U.S., that the US is a melting pot okay and that referred to that we're a country of immigrants so this fear that we're being overrun by immigrants in my view is logical because we are defined as the melting pot um, and that we are a country of immigrants so it's just like an illogical fear that has been put into the minds of the people that live here mm-hmm. And then, you know, like more than 60% of immigrants that live here in the United States have lived here for more than 15 years. A lot of them have come to the United States with a legal status, okay? So what that means is that most of the people that come to the United States have come legally here, you know, whether that been with a visa, a tourist visa, student visa, and then overstayed, okay? So it's not like they're as many people see it as they're crossing the border. Yeah. And this border is the border between Mexico and the United States. Okay, So not everybody that is considered an immigrant has come here illegally or undocumented. Okay, A lot of them do come legally to the United States. Okay, So for those that I mentioned earlier, you know that 15, that have been living here for 15%, um, or not 15%, I'm sorry, 15 years, uh, a large of them, have now legal status. So that means that they have become U.S. permanent residents, or they become neutralized citizens in the United States, or they're working on some sort of uh, temporary visa. Okay. So that would be, you know, like our DACA uh, individuals, uh, individuals that are under um, the temporary protected status, also known as uh, TPS or TPS uh, in Spanish. Um, So and another misconception too is that most immigrants are latino or hispanic okay Um, and that's not necessarily the case okay yes there are uh immigrants and migrants that are latino and hispanic but there are also others from different countries you know like asia asian countries african countries even european nations and even uh, to uh, some of them are from our neighbors to the north, Canada. So it's not just the Latino population that is migrating to the United States, okay? Uh, So I don't want people to think that uh, those individuals that are DACA or or Dreamers or just immigrants in general are just Latinos and Hispanics. They come from all over the world, okay? Um, Another big myth is that immigrants bring crime and violence to our cities and towns. Uh, you know, we've heard this, you know, um, politicians calling uh, Latinos bad hombres um, during uh, the 2016 presidential election. Um, so, you know, all the fig- figures that have come out recently, um, you know, they're claiming that, are, that migrants and immigrants are killers and rapists, and that they're bringing all this crime to the United States but studies show complete opposite of that. You know, wherever they're from, immigrants are, you know, they're bringing, you know, education, they're completing education here. They're less likely to actually commit crimes uh, than those individuals that are born in the U.S. um, or are U.S. citizens. And a lot of, you know, undocumented immigrants... um, are helping the communities like I've mentioned before and and a lot of them if they're undocumented you know they're still paying taxes uh, because they can legally pay for taxes but they're not getting any of the benefits that any U.S. citizen or permanent resident gets from paying taxes you know they can't apply for any of those programs they can't apply for any benefit programs or anything of that sort.
1: so much for Taxation Without Representation.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what's going on there, (laughs) you know, and, you know, that's part of the, you know, part of that other myth, you know, uh, that I already brought up um, that, you know, they're in the country taking our jobs and services without paying taxes. And that's, like I already said, is not true And you mentioned taxation without representation, um, (laughs) which is a big problem, it it really is, you know, I'll I'll give you a stab. Um, for example um, immigrants pay between 90 to 140 billion dollars each year in taxes okay and uh some studies have found that undocumented immigrants so this is just undocumented immigrants pay approximately a hundred or 11.64 billion dollars in taxes each year okay and eight percent of those undocumented immigrants um eight percent of their income is in state and local taxes, so those taxes are going into you know, um, bettering the community, uh, paying for public education and public programs that they have no benefit, no benefits to. Okay.
1: Mm.
0: So yes, they're paying their taxes for those yeah. individuals that don't think they are.
1: Okay? They're paying more taxes than current officials, but. <laughs> Anyway, I feel like it is um, mind-blowing how, like, important these individuals are to the community. And they're still, like, persecuted.
0: They're Um, very persecuted. You're very um, correct on
1: that, yeah. So, hopefully, like, I would say um, people start getting more informed and, like, actually start voting with, like, their minds and their hearts. Because it's more than just, like, An issue for these individuals is an issue for all of us. I mean, they're part of our community. And somebody should be looking out for them.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and and I totally agree. Um, We should all be looking out for everybody, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. um, And I hope people that can vote go register. I know in Minnesota, you can even register the day of. um, Or, you know, you still have time to register uh, for a mail-in ballot. It, honestly, it takes less than five minutes to get that done. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, go vote. <laughs> go vote. It's a very important message, especially this year, uh, election year. Um, but another myth and something I've heard too quite often is that uh, immigrants are coming to the U.S. just to have babies here so their children can be, you know, uh, citizens. And <clears throat> You know, and a lot of people think this because, you know, according to the 14th Amendment, uh, in the the U.S. Constitution, you know, any person that's born uh, or neutralized in the U.S. is subject to jurisdiction and therefore citizens of the United States and the state that they reside in, okay? So a lot of people call this the birthright citizenship, right? So they're saying all these immigrants are coming here because they just wanna have children with birthright citizenship. Um, but a lot of research show and they show consistently that a lot of immigrants that come here both with a, a lawful status or undocumented come to the U.S. for economic opportunity or to get away from violence and poverty in their birth countries. Okay. So they're not coming here because they want to have kids that are going to have this birthright citizenship. They're coming to better their lives, you know? Yeah. They're coming because there's war, famine, um, or something horrific happening in their countries. You know, a majority of people would rather stay in their countries, but when they're in conditions where they can't even live um, a peaceful uh, and happy life, they're going to look somewhere else, okay? Mm-hmm. So they're not coming here to have these birthright babies or birthright citizenship babies. They're coming here looking for what we all look for um, and that's to better their lives, okay?
1: That is crazy. Yeah. To be it sounds like a lot of work to come here to have a child. I mean, yeah. uh, I don't think like pregnancy is a pleasant period like being in another country that's not your home. Um, sounds like a lot of, a lot of problems.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and a lot of people, you know, are coming here sometimes alone. They don't know anybody. They have no friends or family here. They don't know the language. So it's it's quite mind blowing to think that individuals are are thinking that that that's why immigrants are coming to this country.
1: You know? Yeah, Um, and I mean, looking for a better life—that's a human right. We're all we're all trying to like make a better life for ourselves or our loved ones. It's something that, it's across the spectrum, doesn't matter where you were born or, or how you grew up. And essentially, like, um, this, this um, I would say discussion has to like stop being so polarized and just focus on like what's important, which is human lives here. Right. hmm
0: Yeah. And I think, yeah, people sometimes view immigrants less than You know less than a human um, which is a big problem in a mindset that i hope people change and i think some of that change comes from educating yourself getting to know those people um because sometimes you know that's literally the best way to learn about another person's culture is being open to getting to know them because if because if you you know keep separating yourself uh from those individuals in your community uh, all you're not going to learn anything if anything you're going to be creating this false sense of hate in in some sort of way you know this misconception of who they are and why they're here Uh, yes they're different but we shouldn't be scared of other people's differences because those immigrants also see you as different and a lot of the time they have to assimilate into the american culture you know, they have to learn how to live here. They have to learn the English language uh, and they have to learn, relearn how to navigate in a society and community that is completely foreign to them. Mm-hmm. So if anything, they're probably more scared of uh, of being here than you should be of them. So mm-hmm. definitely encourage, you know, I would definitely encourage for people to just meet your neighbors, um, get to know individuals from different ethnic backgrounds. Um, and you might never know, you might, End up having some great
1: friends
0: out of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Once you leave your comfort zone, definitely. Like um, just welcome people to, with open arms, and I mean, you never know uh, who you're gonna who are you gonna run into it, and where you're gonna ha- have to ask for help, or are, where you're gonna be able to provide for help.
2: Yeah.
1: Ultimately, we're all here, and we're all here trying to like make up our life. Yeah. So that's what as are doing together.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and sometimes too, you you're surprised what you learn. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. these individuals are coming from countries where they're, you know, they might have been a doctor or they might have been a director at a university, and you don't know that until you speak with them. So,
1: mm-hmm. I, I believe like it will be a pretty cool place to, well, even for your children, right? It will be a pretty cool place to grow up, like in a diversity, in a diverse background. Where like I mean. You essentially like uh, learn so many different perspectives, but oh well, I get into it, too into it.
0: <laughs> no worries. Um, but continuing with our some of our myths and facts, um, mm-hmm. another one that you know that that's really popular, or I shouldn't use the word popular, that I hear often, um, is that all undocumented immigrants are sneaking across the Mexican border, right? Because there's been a lot of Uh, push for building this border at Mexico Um, but for some reason you know that's been the idea that's kind of been pushed uh, in recent society that people are sneaking in through the Mexican border but a lot of it shows a lot of you know estimates are showing that one third um, of immigrants and one uh, so they've between one-third, excuse me, between one-third and one-half on an undocumented immigrants in the U.S. Uh, have overstayed their, their like visitor visa, uh, their student and work visas, like I mentioned earlier. So that means that, you know, they have entered through the U.S. lawfully and not necessarily coming through the Mexican border. You know, they could have been coming in on an airplane from somewhere in Europe or somewhere in Asia or Africa or so forth, um, or maybe somewhere in South America as well, Central and so forth. Um, so not necessarily, you know, that's just a misconception that people have is that um, all these individuals are just sneaking in through the Mexican-U.S. border. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, you know, comes the, the, the myth that we can stop undocumented immigrants by building that wall <laughs> in the U.S.-Mexican border. And, you know, wow. like, what I mentioned, one-third to one-half of those undocumented immigrants are not coming through that route. They're coming here legally. So putting up that border is going to be very impractical and very likely very effective. Um, because to start out, the border between U.S. and Mexico is almost 2,000 miles long. So it's not like a small area. It's a very large area that they would have to set up fencing and so forth. Um, It has very difficult terrains, you know, deserts, mountains. There's rivers that flow through the border, uh, two thirds of that border. And a lot of the area within that border is also private property that the government would have to buy from individuals. So it's not gonna be an easy task and it's honestly not gonna be very practical or likely to be effective. So, I mean, having this idea that you're gonna just by building a wall is gonna stop undocumented immigrants. Has been proven throughout history, it doesn't work either. I mean, mm-hmm. you can bring up the example of the Great Wall of China. That, that's <laughs> what it was intended for, um, and it, you know, it might have worked for a little bit. But as the population of the world grew and um, countries explored and expanded, that wall was that was not very effective. Okay. And you can, you know, do even the Berlin Wall, when the Berlin Wall was built, that still didn't stop people, you know, from East and West Germany from crossing the wall. So the wall is just a concept that people want to believe in, that is going to stop people from crossing and going into that, to the nation that they don't want them to cross into. Okay?
1: Yeah, and I'm glad like you bring the, the Berlin Wall as an example because uh it was in those times that this country was standing for like freedom like uh, and this like uh, right of having like a good life and will assist people to cross to the to the west side of like berlin of germany and it is i just this idea of the building the wall sounds like just an, an expensive, uh, expect expensive, unnecessary symbol that is just being fueled by political discussions. People just gotta wake up from that. Or, I'm not sure if I'm putting it in the right terms, or just getting informed.
0: Yeah, and I mean, honestly, getting informed, and the best way to address this, you know what people see see as an issue is really to address what's going on with immigration and the way, you know, and treat immigrants with dignity and respect instead of treating them like criminals, which has been the history of our country. And that's something you can even see now with what's going on at the border with immigrants that are seeking asylum um, and at the ICE detention centers. They're not being treated with dignity and respect. They're being treated like criminals Um, and they're being treated like criminals and most of the time they're not even receiving the same rights that you would see criminals receive in our court system uh, which is due process and and being able to be in front of a judge in a timely manner Mm -hmm. not you know that's the important thing is a lot of them are not being seen by a judge in a timely manner and they're being treated without dignity and respect in this constant in this ICE uh, immigration camps
1: yeah, let's not even get into those concentration camps. Then no, <laughs> it is I think different. that would
0: be for a different conversation because that's uh, something in itself where you really need to delve into that is very complex uh, problem, yeah. and a lot of people have very, very opposing views and ideas on whether it's correct or not.
1: So, yeah, like what like I was reading lately that they were like operating on on people that they were that were detained there without their consent which is crazy but yeah let's not get into that yes. right now
0: yeah that would be a conversation for a different day or I think we might hear might be here for a, a couple hours because
1: um,
0: <laughs> it's a very intense topic
1: um, yeah so I don't know. So that's an idea for like next time, next topic we can discuss about. And you're interested, more than welcome to like join us as well.
2: Yeah,
1: um, yeah. yeah, anything else you would like to point out about, about this, I uh, would say, right of living for these people, this part of this group, this important group?
0: Yeah, uh, so, so I mean, I'm gonna again do a call for action for everybody that can vote. Uh, go yeah. register if you are not registered, um, you know. Voting registration honestly takes less than five minutes if you're in Minnesota. Um, If you're listening from outside of Minnesota, you know, look it up. Uh, It's very easy to look up. You can just say, how do I vote in my state? You can put in your state. Uh, You can easily Google it um, and go vote uh, and vote with with your heart and your mind and have some empathy to your neighbors. And also for those uh, dreamers, you know, We're here, we're supporting you. Uh, We're behind you 100% on this fight to get Congress and Senate and get a policy in place that's gonna lead you to a permanent path to citizenship. Cause that's that's what I personally want for all of you. Cause I know that struggle, you know. um, I'm also an immigrant. I wasn't born in the United States, but I have that privilege that I was able to become a U.S. citizen. So I understand that there is a struggle not being able to be uh, a legal citizen of this country. So we're here to support you. Um, And if you need help, if you have questions, reach out. Um, If you're in Minnesota, reach out to the Immigrant Law Center of Minnesota. They do provide, you know, a lot of, they have great resources on their website too. Uh, that talk a little bit more about DACA and kind of what's going on um, with that right now. Um, if you're looking into reapplying if you're a current you're a current DACA recipient and you're you know you need to reapply they can help you out as well and they might be able to provide free or free services if you're low income as well okay?
1: Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much for that. Uh, and I would say, I would just like to encourage your message too. Like, you know, voting is so important. Uh, like, hundreds of years of like or more like having time for this right? So, yeah, definitely vote. I believe like you can vote right now, right?
0: Yeah, you can do, at least in Minnesota, you can do early voting. Um, so you can look that up online as to where your voting place would be for early voting. If you are, if you requested a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot, you should have started receiving them in the mail already if you're in Minnesota. Uh, if you're in a different state, um, you'd have to look it up because I don't know that information. But yeah, in Minnesota, you can start doing early voting and requesting a mail-in ballot as well. Mm-hmm.
1: So sounds good. Um, I will say like we're gonna leave with that message if that's okay for you, Sarah. Um, and okay. essentially, it's been a pleasure to be here and learn so much about today too. So it's always it's always great to have like a new perspective and like learn learn things that will ch- like change the way you think. I love that. Please keep changing my mind. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah.
0: that's my goal. You know, uh, my goal is always to keep learning and and teaching those that want to
1: lo- to learn something new every day. Yeah, thank you so much for for informing us, Sarah, and like uh, having this, I would say, lovely talk, but the issues were kind of intense. So uh, let's live with optimism and hopefully, like, uh, this new electoral process brings some change. And yeah, my name is Ramiro Vina. This is Maverick Dial, Maverick Inclusion Dial, and you want to say goodbye, Sarah?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me again, and maybe we'll see you guys next time.
1: We'll see. Hi, lovely. Rest of your day. Yeah, thank you so much for for informing us, Sarah, and like uh, having this, I would say, lovely talk. But the issues were kind of intense. So, uh, let's live with optimism and hopefully, like, uh, this new electoral process brings some change. And, yeah, my name is Mm Ramiro Vinan, this is Mavrik Dial, my Inclusion Dial, and you want to say goodbye, Sam?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me again, and maybe we'll see you guys next time.
1: We'll see. Have a lovely rest of your day.